Welcome to Kingdom Connection with Pastor Jensen Franklin. A few weeks ago, I told my doctor I had insomnia. He shrugged and said, eh, I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. Yeah, I know, worst joke ever. But if you've ever had something keep you awake at night, you know it's not a joke. It's a terrible feeling. Time seems to stop. 10 minutes feels like two hours. Two hours feels like a day. Whatever's worrying you takes center stage, and it feels like you're left there to face it, to deal with it, alone. As Pastor Franklin is about to show us, the key in the midst of a sleepless night is to remember who you are and whose you are. I want to talk to you today on the remedy to worry. The book of Esther is centered around King Ahasuerus, who is mean and he's a pagan and he is ungodly. There's nothing about him that seeks the Lord. He's, he's just, he is what he is. And um, he, to show you how mean he is, when his wife, who was the queen, would not dance for the princes that the king had brought in and wined and dined them for three days. And in the conclusion, he wanted his queen to come out and do a vulgar dance, and she refused to do it. And the Bible said that he removed her from being queen. We don't know if he killed her or if he banished her, but she's never heard of again. He replaced her by having a beauty contest. And he has 120 provinces in Babylon. And he says, find the prettiest girl in every province and send her to a beauty contest in Babylon. And the one who's the most beautiful uh, is the one that will be my new queen. And as God would have it, there is a little orphan girl by the name of Esther who is in one of those provinces. And she was beautiful and um, she, she is nominated as one of the potential choices of the king. And out of all the beautiful girls, at some point, it wasn't about hips and lips and all of that. At some point, Esther wins the beauty contest and, uh, she becomes his queen, but we almost make it like Esther is some huge, huge heroic figure in this story. She was terrified she was terrified of this man. He was brutal. Life meant nothing to him. And, it, and, and, and she was so terrified, as we'll see later in this story, that she was afraid to even go into his presence without being invited. She was afraid he would take her life. So there was no joy in this marriage. There was no relationship of, of, of you know, romance and all of that. It was a brutal, he was a brutal, evil man, and she's forced to marry him. Then we move into chapter two, and there's only six chapters in the book, but we move into chapter two, and, and amazingly, um, amazingly, in chapter two, Mordecai, her uncle, is the only relative. Her parents had been killed, and she is the, she's an orphan, but she does have one relative. Her uncle's name is Mordecai, and Mordecai is at the gate, and he is there by chance. There again, God is working and orchestrating, and he overhears a conversation of two of the bodyguards of the king. And they are talking about an assassination plot that they are part of, that they're going to be the ones who are going to take the king's life. 
and he can't believe what he's hearing. He goes to Esther, his niece, and he tells her there is an assassination attempt about to be made on the king, and you need to know it, and you need to warn. And apparently she was afraid to go to him personally. She tells somebody, we're not told who she tells, they spoil the assassination attempt, they kill the bodyguards, they root out all of the people who were conspiring and of course deal with them in the most brutal terms. But this person, whoever it was, took the credit and never told the king that it was Mordecai the Jew who had saved his life through Esther, his queen. And so it's an interesting moment when you understand that there's one other major character that I need to introduce, and his name is Haman. Haman is King Hazarias's um, prime minister. He's second in command. He's very powerful, listen carefully, and he's brutal, and he's just as mean as the king. Many scholars believe he was the one who got the news, protected the king, wiped out the conspiracy to kill the king, but he never told the king. He did it like I am the one who saved your life, and therefore he built even more credibility with the king. And now, as he's riding through the city, this, this prime minister, he's not the king, he's one notch under the king, and he's riding through the city on his chariot. The king is very pleased with him, and all the people have been taught to bow down, but that old Jewish man named Mordecai will not bow. And it so bothered Haman that this powerful man would go back to his palace and he would go in and talk to his wife about it. The Bible said he actually made the comment, I would like to kill him with my bare hands. I can't stand that Jew, the Mordecai. I can't stand him and I want to kill him with my bare hands. All right, now we're going somewhere. Watch this. And sure enough, he decided one day, I'm going to exterminate all the Jews. I'm going to kill them. And he goes to the king and he gets permission from the king. Again, a brutal man, the king and now his prime minister. And the prime minister comes to the king and he says, you know, these Jews, they really helped us. We, we squeezed all of the wisdom, all of their inventions, their intellectual property, everything we've taken from them. We've learned everything we can learn from them. They're disposable to us. They're multiplying. They actually could be a threat. And I think we ought to kill them. And the king says, sounds reasonable to me. Kill them all. What are we going to have for lunch? That's, that's literally how these guys, they're that cold and that brutal. And the decision is made almost afterthought, yeah, just exterminate. On, on a certain day, all of the Jews will absolutely be exterminated. And all that Haman is thinking about is, I can't wait to kill that one that I can't stand named Mordecai. And Mordecai hears the story. And when he hears the story, he goes to his niece in the palace, the queen, and he says, you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You have to go in there and you have to speak up and you have to. 
And, and she's trying to work up the courage and finally, 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 knowing that she, she said, fast for me. And everybody goes on a three-day fast. And after three days, see this, she's a normal person. She's filled with worry. She's filled with anxiety. She's filled with, oh my God, this is horrible. And they're fasting and they're praying. And after three days, her courage is worked up enough. And she, she like a mouse, is kind of tiptoeing into the presence of the king. And when he sees her, he he holds out the scepter and she comes in and he says, what do you want, Esther? And why have you approached me? And she, and she didn't have the nerve. She didn't have the nerve to say it. So she speaks up and she says, uh, I, I, I want you to come to a banquet to, tonight. I want you, and, and I think because Haman was on her mind, she's, I, I, and Haman, oh, I want Haman. You and Haman come. You and Haman come to a banquet. I think she was just buying herself time. She could have cut straight through the chase. She didn't have the courage to do it. She was just buying time. And she walks out of there and wipes her brow and says, oh my God, I thought he was going to kill me right then. She has this huge dinner prepared. And Haman and the king come, these brutal, mean, wicked men, and they're sitting there, and she's there, and she's, she's trying to figure out how she's going to bring it up, and they eat, and she wines them, and they drink, and I'm sure they were full of the king's wine, and it was a big night, and it was an enjoyable night, and knowing Haman like he's presented in the scripture, he's like, I am so special. I was the only one invited. There are no other princes from the other 120 senators and provinces. None of them have been. Look at me. Look at me. I'm sure all over his Instagram were pictures of the, you know, you know, you know. And he's like, look, I want every, and the word was spreading all outside. My goodness. Look at, look at Haman. He, he, he's the only one that's eating with the king and queen. He's a big deal. And so that night when he walks out of the palace after that party, it was so great and grand and all the people have heard him the moment they see him. The paparazzi are outside. The news is outside. They're all bowing down except for that Jew. He's standing there. And then you come to Esther chapter 6 and verse 1. This is where I've been working to. And that night, the king could not sleep. So he commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king. That night, the king could not sleep. Everything is bad. Everything is messed up and getting worse. Everything is hopeless. Everything is filled with anxiety and worry. They're facing a slaughter. She's scared to death. And the only thing that saved their life was that night, the king could not sleep. Now watch, y'all got to see this. Let me preach. Look up here at me. That reader just happened chance opens it and starts reading about Mordecai the Jew who saved his life. And the king says, wait a minute. What was done to reward that man? 
Has he ever come and tried to tell me this story? No, sir. He didn't want any credit. No, sir. Has he ever, has he ever asked for a reward? No, sir. My goodness. He did it with no motive. I want to reward that man. What's happened to that man? Nothing, sir. Nothing was done to reward him. Nothing. Oh my goodness. Now he's got off the throne and he's walking around in his robe and Versace uh, slippers and, and, he's, and, he, and he, he's, he's pacing the floor. How can I reward that man? How can I reward that man? How can I reward him? And he finally sits down. Now the sun's coming up and in walks Haman. He's freshly shaved. He slept like a, he slept like an angel. And he feels good and he walks in and he thinks, I just had the greatest night of my life and tonight I get to do it all over again. I am something special. He walks into the presence of the king. The king looks at him. He's got black bags under his eyes and he says, he says, now, uh, he says, I want to ask you something, Haman. He said, what, what would you suggest that I do? Let's say there's a man in the kingdom that I really want to honor. And Haman, with his egotistic self, is thinking, oh my God. Now, he's about to do a humble brag. Uh, I know it could never be I, but, but oh, king, I w-. come on, y'all. I'm working hard up here. Y'all <laughs> sitting out there just like you at a movie. Where's the popcorn? I'll preach to myself. This is how I preach. That's how I talk to myself when I read stuff. But he says, what would, what, let's say there was somebody I wanted to bless, Haman. I mean, I really wanted to show honor and show the whole nation this guy is a big deal to me. <laughs> Sir, I would suggest humbly think you ought to take your robe off, your robe, and put it on him. I think you ought to take your stallion, the steed that you ride on yourself, and you ought to let him ride on it with that robe. I think you ought to take some pipsqueak, some minor, lesser person, and let them guide the bridle of that horse on a rope and walk through the streets and as trumpets are blasting, tell all the people, the man in whom the king honors is before you. And instantly the king said, that's brilliant. I love it. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to do everything you just said, Haman, but do it to Mordecai the Jew. And he said, by the way, I think you're important enough that you should be the one who's leading the horse, screaming the man who the king wants to honor. This is the man on the horse. Well, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but stuff you're worrying about, you've forgotten who your God is. You've forgotten how powerful he is. You've forgotten that when he speaks, seas open. When he speaks, mountains move. When he speaks, demons tremble. And no, the enemy's plot against your life will not be successful. God is fighting for you. Sit down. I'm almost done. So, 
Don't you know how humiliating that was? The man whom the king honors. The man whom the king honors. That night, after a humiliating day, Haman comes to the palace for the final banquet. Queen Esther is there. They eat. The king turns and says, why did you do this? Tell me the real reason. What do you want? She said, sir, there is a conspiracy in the land to kill Mordecai, the Jew, and all of his seed. And I don't know if you knew this king, but I, Esther, I'm a Jew. The king is enraged. Stands up because he didn't sleep all night. So he's, 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 you know how you are when you didn't sleep good. Turn to your wife and say, I know how you are when you didn't sleep good. Turn to your husband and say, you're that way all the time. It doesn't matter if you sleep good or not. Can I finish? Here's the finish. He's so angry. He doesn't want to make a, a quick decision. He, he is smart enough to know if I get rid of this guy, it's going to cause me a lot. So he gets up and walks out. He says, who, who, who was it behind this conspiracy? And she says, this one right here, Haman. He's so mad. He's just, if he spit, it killed grass. He's so mad. He walks out of the room trying to pull himself together. And the queen takes off to her bedroom and he follows her. Haman follows her because he's now, now all the tables are turned and he falls on her bed. When she goes into her bedroom, she's sitting on it. He falls on her bed and he starts crying out for mercy. And the king just happened at that time to walk in the bedroom. And he sees this guy on the bed with his queen. And he says, that I was, I was trying to figure out what to do. Now I know what to do. And the gallows that you prepared for Mordecai, guards, take him out and hang him right now on those same gallows. Now, now let me finish. So here's what I came to say. In a church this size, This 2,600-year-old story is not just a piece of history, but it's a reminder that you need to hear that you have a king who has intentional insomnia. He said, I will. He didn't say, I can't sleep. He said, I will not sleep or slumber because I'm going to walk the floor. And while you sleep, I am up and I'm planning and I'm plotting your comeback. I'm planning how that the enemy has constructed things that I'm going to turn for your good. I'm going to use them against the very voices that have tried to destroy you. Your king is not asleep. He's active. He has a plan. He's for you. In a crowd this size, there's some family that's represented that had a heated argument. Unkind, cruel words were spoken maybe even last night. And it looks like the enemy's gone wild in your family. There's somebody else here who's scared of a medical situation. 
You dread going back to the doctor. The word, the C word, cancer, is tormenting you. You don't know what in the world. And the problem is real and it's being formed. And you feel like you're worried and you're full of anxiety and fear and worry. In a crowd this size, there's some parents that are agonizing over a teenager that's making crazy decisions and you never thought him. You get one kid fixed and then another one acts up. How do you know? Because I raised five of them. You get one thing fixed and here's another one and you feel like you're losing your mind and where is God? His name's not even in this family apparently. But he sent me to tell you that the one thing that turned the battle for Esther, the one thing that turned the battle for Mordecai is that the king had intentional insomnia. How many of you are worrying about something? And there's only two reasons why people have insomnia. Something internal or external is bothering them. It may be something internal. It may be a disease. It may be something going on internally, or it may be something externally with people, relationships, job, family, but it's, it's, it's worrying you, tormenting you. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and cast your worry on me for I can handle it. And your King is not asleep. He's awake. The king can't sleep as long as you have a problem. You don't believe he loves you. You're not a somebody. You're the bride of the king. Kingdom Connection is a soul-winning ministry that is reaching the world through broadcasting, expanding into new church campuses, and global acts of compassion. By using the technology of today to fulfill the Great Commission, we are able to connect with countless people and reach hundreds of thousands of lives. Our broadcast connects with people like you all around the world with messages that speak to them. Our ministry exists to help build a connection for strengthening your faith and living out your God-given purpose. And our missions and relief work help connect you to desperate situations, showing the love of Christ through global acts of compassion. We feel the time is right and God is leading us to grow, and that only happens when you partner with us through Connection Partnership. With as little as a dollar a day, you'll be helping us reach further than we've ever been before. To become a part of this ministry and enjoy exclusive partner benefits, visit us online at jensenfranklin.org. Hope starts with you. Together, we can do something incredible for the kingdom of God. Your support helps us preach the gospel to over 200 nations around the globe, produce inspirational resources, and continue support for outreach projects. All donations received through a campaign are subject to redirection at the discretion of the organization. 